0: Because you live, we can face tomorrow because you live. We are not afraid of anything. We glorify your holy name, oh Lord. We will hold on to you, family. We will never fear, we will never run away from a challenge because the greater one lives and he lives in us. He lives and he lives in us. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Father, we ask you to take absolute control. To come and minister us you know, to us in a way that we will understand. Lord, let it be all of you and none of man. Take over immediately to the glory of your holy name. In Jesus' almighty name. Amen. Amen. Remain standing. Thank you. choir. Turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 7 verse 36. Remain standing as is the custom and tradition of this church. We read the word of God standing. Luke chapter 7 verse 36. I'll be reading from the New International Version. Luke chapter 7 verse 36. The NIV, please. Luke chapter 7 verse 36. The NIV. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and was trying at the table. A woman in that house. The simple life learned that Jesus was sitting at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an jar of perfume. And she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her like hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who like had Pharisee, invited him saw this, he said to himself: If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. one owed him denarii, and, and the other fifty. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgave him. You have judged already, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, "Do you see this woman? I came into your house; you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wiped my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, many sins have been forgiven. As has been told." On your way to your feet, tell your neighbor, to whom much is given, much is expected. To whom much is given, much is expected. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. To whom much is given, much is expected. And to whom much has been forgiven, that person much has been given. It depends on how you value yourself, how you value your salvation. That is when you realize how much you have been given. Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's not as if he had three sons or ten sons. He gave his only, that only one he had, his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Just to save anyone who believes in him, he sacrificed his only begotten son. Romans 5.8 tells me that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you. He died for me. Imagine someone is abusing you. Someone is, is, is calling you names. Someone is misbehaving you. Yet, you sacrifice for that person. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the sacrifice. To whom much is given, much is expected. God gave his all for each and every one of us. His only begotten Son, therefore so much is expected from us. I am an example of someone who believes that God gave me much more than I deserve. Much more than I deserve. He saved me from the miry clay. He set my foot on solid ground. Greater love has this than no one, than he laid down his life for his friends, and that's what God did for you and I, to whom, to me, whom much has been given. Many wonder why I give my all in the service of this church. Many wonder why any time you call pastor, I'm always there trying to help, trying to do what I can. I was moved by the show of love by people. During this last weekend, the last week that was my birthday. As I was reading through some of the cards, I felt like, in fact, when I was walking out that Sunday, I was crying. I never have believed that these least people appreciate the little I am doing. But I haven't even begun because I cannot begin to pay back God the, 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 what, the, the thing he did in my life. Many people think I do this just to attract people to the church. Yes, I want these seats to be filled. But I don't just don't want them to be filled. I want as the seats are being filled, people's lives are being filled with Jesus. I want as the seats are being filled, people are coming to the knowledge of Christ. From a very young age, I was in disgrace to my parents. By the time, at the age, age 11 in years 1, I was called the baddest son of a holy man. My father was the district representative of Assemblies of God over the district at that time. But I was very rascally, I was very stubborn. I was doing what they said no one should do. Because of that, I went to three secondary schools, At this one, they'll be fed off with you, and you have to leave. Before I even joined the university, I'd already decided I would join the Black Arts. My first month in the university, I took the form on my way to the initiation the person that was taking me to initiation my childhood friend in fact my name is John I was named after his father he was killed that day but I didn't hear but my Bible tells me in Psalms 164 16, troubles multiply for those which is after other gods I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods coming from my upbringing in the Assembly of God church the things I saw inside the black axe, I realized this were idolatry. We would gather in the name of another god. I wasn't comfortable with this, but once in is in, no way out. That's what my friend told me once when I told him my doubts. Psalms 16:4. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. Today I have some friends who have identified themselves as Freemasons or one lodge or the other. I Look at them and I say, We are happy, we are lucky that God saved us from the stupidness we were doing in the university. And this ones, at this stage and time, you are indulging yourself in this kind of rubbish. Trouble multiply for those who chase after those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour applications of blood to such dogs and take up their names on my lips. My sorrows multiplied, my troubles multiplied. There was a time within a period of two weeks, I had 22 flat tires. I wasn't driving then, but you get into this car, you'll have a flat tire. The first one happened on my way to law school, on a more new on top of the mainland bridge at high speed. Within a space of two weeks, I had flat tires, 22 times. It was not natural. What about the close shades with death? Apart from that, my childhood friend that was killed on my way to initiation, my own best friend, killed. I had three very, very, very close shapes. Very, very close shapes with death. I'll be here, when you leave, you come back, you hear that these people came. I, 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 I can only give God the glory, but at that time, troubles were chasing me left, right, and center. Even after I left school, you have a deal, you have something you're about, you're plotted, you work so hard for it, just at the end, when it's about to materialize. Something happens and it disappears into thin air. In the university, my final year sorry, no, in my extra year, I was suspended. And if to, to, for me being a lawyer here today is only by the special grace of God. Because if you know anything about the legal system in Nigeria, there's what they call fit and proper. If you have any dint on your reputation, You'll be intro they, they will not call you to back. But I managed to wriggle my way out of the university and went to the law school. But while at the law school, somebody I call my own brother in the same brotherhood, then went to the university and told them, Look, you freed Macho, you did not free me. That's how my school wrote to the university to the law school and said, He needs to come back. Thank God, it was only God that allowed them to use a language that He has questions to answer based on conduct. So I went back. And by the grace of God, through prayer, through everything, I was able to clear myself and return to law school the following year. But that's how the enemy wanted to destroy my life. And that's how the enemy wanted to ruin me. But in my test, I didn't know that God was giving me a testimony. In my mess, I didn't know that God was giving me a message. That thing today that you call a test, that thing you think that is making you go bonkers, may God give you a testimony from it in the name of Jesus. In that deep mess you are in, there is a message for you For you, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes, it's a common saying that behind every successful man, there is a good wife. Yes, I am blessed. You all know that. But behind every successful case of an errant child that turns to Christ, there are praying parents. That's why in Streams of Joy worldwide we are particular with our children. That's why we pray always for our children. That's why we teach good things about our children. And that's why sometime later you hear the announcements, we are organizing Parents Pray 2021. Parents have to gather and pray, because if my parents didn't gather and pray for me, I wouldn't be here today. I would have been long dead and buried. Better people than me were killed. Better people than me are running out around running around mad. In fact, sincerely, I believe it's not written in the Bible. Let me not claim what I don't know. But I believe Apostle Paul, when he was still Saul, he had a praying mother somewhere crying, seeing all the rubbish that was going on and calling on God. God, God, don't let my son go to ruin. As a parent, you need not. My mother calls me Bobenigué. She still calls me that till today. Bobenigué. How do I put it in English? Bobenigué means heavenly, heavenly guy, or something like that. And she kept praying. She kept praying. My dad was the disciplinarian. If I commit, he will be the one to handle me. But my mom kept praying and kept praying, and she never gave up on me. Parents, I ask you today: keep praying without ceasing for your children. Never give up on your children. If you're a parent here or a would-be parent, no matter what, when you see things going wrong in your child, especially in the society we are in, that we cannot discipline them the way we are disciplined. Discipline them on your knees. Keep praying for them. I decree over the life of everyone under the sound of my voice. May your children's life never cause you to cry in the name of Jesus life never bring you disgrace in the name of Jesus. May your children's lifestyle never put you to shame in the name of Jesus. No matter the life you lived in the past, your children will not make mistakes you made in the name of Jesus. Never will it be said that the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on age. That is not your portion in the name of Jesus. And that's how I continued in this rascally lifestyle. After SS3, in that sometime in 1993, the first time I went to sell. We just committed a little thing and the police arrested us. My dad came there, he looked at me, he didn't say a word, he turned around and left. My mom was the one that came and started crying, started crying, started crying and started running around and that's how I was able to at least come out the following day or two days later. But it wasn't even that, we delved into alcoholism at that age. We, were, we thought we were being sharp, we thought we were being guys, we were drinking. If you come to my university that time, others will be in class, because God blessed me with little knowledge. I would prefer to be up gate, hanging with my guys, drinking all the time. And like I said, troubles multiply for those who chase other gods. I was chasing alcoholism. I spent a course of five years, I had an extra year in, in, in my university, I just university, but despite that, till today I don't have the first degree certificate. Now you ask me what happened. The very day I collected my certificate, the very day, I collected my certificate, six years of hard labor. We took it from the admin block. We went up gate to drink happily. My friend that drove us there, we took the certificate and kept it in his car. I said, keep it there. We were sat just next to the car, drinking. What happened? We finished drinking. and went to I got to the house. I said, okay, I'm going, where's my certificate? Till this very day. The certificate disappeared into thin air. But we have a God who never fails. And the God who says, for your shame, I will give you double. That certificate, I'm still working about with a statement of results now. But that certificate that was lost, God has returned it. I have two UK master's degrees now. And I'm chasing my PhD. <laughs> parents, keep praying for your children. Because if my parents had given up on me, maybe all these testimonies now wouldn't be here. I pray, may God lift you from that situation that has brought you shame in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that's how I managed. I was doing my Tajam Bell in Abuja and I managed to get raised up in the little now as a newborn man to get married. And then I got married and I stayed faithful to my marital vows. We came to the UK in 2009 for the first time in Aberdeen. I finished my master's. And then we moved to Manchester I started seeing little money I started being able to travel and then when I started being able to travel I started doing stupid things on my journeys I started having multiple side chicks that's what they call them now and I thought I was being smart I love my wife so much I love her so much you all know too and I thought I was being smart I'll use protection sometimes I'll use two or even three because that time, when you're already off the roots, is it not a shallow which one you will buy? At the time, I said, okay, look, you have to be honorable. You have to. In fact, why are you being so silly? Why are you being so useless? You have to have levels. Okay, don't buy again. Let it be the one you talk and the one you chase for yourself. You see, sometimes when you do some things, you think the enemy tries to tell you you're being smart, you're within line. The enemy tries to, what's that word, tries to justify it to you. And you say, yeah, fine, okay, everybody else is doing it, why won't I do it? Everybody else is doing it, nothing is wrong with it. But a lot of things are wrong with it. Sometimes you think you're wise, but you are being the one you used to be. Sometimes you think you're playing them, you are the one being played. Today we read the Bible and we look at Samson and we wonder how did he not know that this woman Delilah was playing him. But the simple truth is that at that time Samson felt that he was the one playing Delilah. I don't want to marry this Philistine woman. My parents do not want this Philistine woman. Let me just be with her. Let me try. Let me deceive her until I have enough and I leave. And as he thought he was the one fooling her, fooling her not knowing that he was being the one fool, at the end he him his head. And that's how the enemy comes to us. It makes us think we are being smart. It makes us think nothing can happen. And then at the end, we bear the consequences. And so, I continue this useless lifestyle. I travel home, and social media made things very easy for people these days. I feel, in our days, we have to get liver. And sometimes we go and drink before we can say hi to a babe. But this time now, you'll be sitting next to someone you don't know. They are chatting on WhatsApp. They are communicating. So you think a father would think her daughter is, his daughter is within there. He doesn't know his daughter. His son is far away chatting. It wasn't so in our days. But that time around, that 2011, 2012, I was good. social media. Once they see you on Facebook, you snap one picture. You are abroad. When you return to Nigeria, now then they rush you, you now. And so it was. It was. It was. It was that bad. until one fateful day. I had been to Swaziland with a friend of mine on business. I spent about a month there. The business no even get And then I spent about a month there. He himself was married to you, but we were two useless married men.
1: And then I came back to,
0: the, to Manchester at that time. And then it began to dawn on me. Yes, you think you're wise. You think you have been using protection. But remember you have a sword in your teeth. And then I went online and checked the ways of HIV infection. And then I discovered that if you have a sore in your mouth and you kill someone who is infected, that you can be transmitted. And then I further went online. <laughs> Google is your friend, but it's your bad friend. I went online and then I checked signs of any HIV infection. And believe me, brethren, I saw at least 70% of them in my life. And that's when I began to become very sober. My mother, much later when I told her, my mother said yes. She visited us from that time. She said, I will be in the house talking with you, but I will know that you are not there. Because my mind was so far away. I was thinking so much. By that time, we had, had Ekene, my second son. And one day, from nowhere, I don't know where they got the razor. Was, Ekene was still breastfeeding then. I don't know where they got the razor. Him and his brother just used razor to cut themselves. Or both each other. And I was thinking all this checking online and getting scary every day. I saw the signs of myself, I saw the signs of my wife, and I was thinking, what have I done to this innocent woman? Look at what, I, what is actually going on. But still, my father was supposed to um, retire, that same about yeah, April 20, 2012, and I was preparing to go back to Nigeria again. And despite all this madness in my head, I was also packaging gifts. That I will use to continue as usual. Brethren, sometimes some people come to you as friends. But they are only there for what they can get. Look at what I was going through. And yet I was still looking for more targets. You need to ask God for the spirit of discernment. God, and you need to flee from every resemblance of evil. And then I got on a KLM flight on April 8, 2012. A day I can never forget all my life. I got on a KLM flight from Manchester first to Amsterdam, Schiphol, and then I was supposed to go through South Africa. On the flight from Schiphol to Johannesburg, I like to sit near the aisle so that I can play with the stewardess. They can give me enough drinks to, to drink. By the time I'm where I am, I'm stoned. So as I sat down beside the aisle, I remember someone, I think a man was sitting beside me, but immediately I sat down. That flight was supposed to be eight hours. But to me it was eight minutes because as I sat down God just began to replay the video of my life began to show me my uselessness began to show me how I had through my careless living wrecked my life wrecked my family brought a shameful painful death to my wife and to my children things they did not deserve how I was going to die a very shameful and very painful death. And at that moment I cried. I said, Father, give me one last chance. If you give me one last chance, I will never, ever, if I touch another woman, kill me. Father, give me one. I didn't ask him for another chance because in the days past, they had given me many other chances. And I knew that if I ask for another chance and he gives me another chance, I will still come back again for another chance. So I said, Father... Give me one final chance. I will never, ever do it again. And brethren, by the special grace of God, I got back to Nigeria and I told my parents they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. And I began to pray. For me then, I was content. If that final chance means surviving, my my family being healed, and me bearing the... Scorch scourge, the sickness, the everything. I was fine. But Father, save my family. Just give me one final chance. But we have a God who is the good God. We have a Father who is a forgiving Father. We have a Father who is a very kind Father. And I kept praying. During that period, Before even before my father's, because I came about two weeks before the retirement ceremony, every day I almost memorized the whole psalm. I was praying, I was reading the Bible. And then one day, just when I was about to come home, Early in the morning, around 5.36, I was at my sister's house in Abuja. I saw a play sheet written in front of me, negative. And then, because then I never get the liver, I hadn't the liver to go and test. Because I knew if I test, it's going to be positive. But that morning, I saw it as just, that period early in the morning when you're between consciousness and sleep. I just saw it written negative in capital letters. And then I jumped off. I told my sister, "I'm going for that test. I'm going for that test." And I quickly ran off to the lab. I couldn't wait for the labs to open. I quickly ran off to the lab, did the test. They said, "Come back in 30 minutes." I went back to my sister's house, and started praying again, praying, thanking God. And then after 30 minutes, I went back. I went the woman oh I can't remember who the attendant gave me the thing, and I opened it there. It was negative. <laughs> I've seen my rejoicing. Anybody who sees that you know this man has been through so much. And brethren, that is how my life changed. And that is why I am so passionate about this great God. And it's not as if my life just changed by being born again. Great things began to happen. God began to open doors. Things I used to chase before began chasing me. It took a period of time. It wasn't immediate. I'm not the kind of pastor that will come and tell you, yeah, immediately you're born again, everything is rosy. You will still face challenges. And it's not even as if it's immediate. Over a period of, it was close to a year or two. In fact, actually, when we came back to Nigeria, like after praying, things were just going gradually. Then one night, I heard God tell me, I will return the years the locust has eaten. Quickly, I ran to Pastor Jerry the following day and told him, he said, I should be praising God, that God has answered my prayers. And then business began to happen. Things began, doors began to open. Brethren, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, and every other thing shall be added unto you. I'm a prosperity preacher, but that is the kind of prosperity I preach. Prosperity based on Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and every other thing shall be added unto you. Not the prosperity that will tell you, hey, it will happen, it will happen, it will happen, without telling you the first things to do. And His grace began to become made be, to be made manifest in my life. I used to have what I call near success syndrome. When, at the, D1 when the deal one mature, when the is about to sell, something happens, and it falls off. But no, oh, God has been so gracious. I still stand firm to say that I do not have a better yesterday. Things are moving from glory to glory. But way God deals with us is very funny. Before I left Nigeria at that time, I went to, there's what we call a prayer union, scripture union camp of faith in Okide. I went there to pray. My family were still in Manchester that time. I was in Nigeria and I was gone again. And the night I was gone again, as I slept, I saw a dream that I knew, yes, God has called me to serve him. But I didn't know where he wanted me to serve. Anywhere, I mean, somebody who was begging him to heal me that time, even if he said, go and serve in your village, I will go. So I went to Scripture Union Camp of Faith. I took three days off. On the second day, I was praying. I was—it wasn't a dream. I was on my feet, and I saw a multitude of white men streaming to hell. The next instance, I saw a multitude of Arab immigrants streaming to hell. And that's when I realized God wanted me to serve in the UK. But my visa had a few weeks to exp- a few months to expire, and so I came back to the UK. I did every degree I could. No way, it wasn't happening. And then finally, with two days to the expiration of our visa, I packed myself, my family, everybody, we went back home. I didn't know God had a special plan for me. I didn't know God wanted me to go home to prepare me to come back. So if you're here and there's something you have been praying for, you have been believing God for, you have cried, you have wept, you have fasted, you have sowed seeds, and it has not yet come to manifestation, the first thing you must do is take an inner look at yourself. Am I living right? Am I doing what God wants me to do? If you are, then just relax. God has better things planned for you. God will make things work for you. The vision will retire for a while, but it will surely come to pass. That is the word of God. And if you are under the sound of my voice and despite God's promise to you, things are not yet gelled. My brother, just stay calm. Jeremiah 29:11, the message translation says, I know what I am doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Just stay calm. Trust the process. Trust God. Remain firm in Him. And so God sent me and my family back to Nigeria. But He did it for a purpose. Because it was when He sent me back to Nigeria that I joined streams of joy, that I knew Pastor Jerry that I began to serve under him. And I believe that's the only reason why God sent me back to Nigeria. When we got back to Nigeria, people, my mother was crying. Friends, were are laughing. People were saying, that you would have stayed even if it's illegal. But they didn't know that God had plans for me. My brother, my sister, let them laugh. Let them talk. God has special plans for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And at God's appointed time, he set me down to Nottingham. set me back to Nottingham on his own the first time i came i suffered through the nose to pay my school fees but by the time i was coming to do my second master's here i paid my school fees full in nigeria that's when god is at work things doors begin to open before you knock. so brethren that's how god arrested me from certain shameful death and Gave me a mandate to depopulate the kingdom of hell, and that's why if I preach a beautiful session, a beautiful sermon, and end it without people asking themselves questions considering their relationship with Christ, then I have not preached. All I have done is a motivational speech. I have been accused of preaching salvation, salvation. But I calculated it the person that told me this I said, What I do is preach for a while, and then the last five minutes I use it to ask us to consider that if we consider these things, it will happen this way. I know many who have stopped coming to church because they say, my sermons make them uncomfortable. But I'd rather make you uncomfortable for you to make heaven. than make you comfortable and relax. And then at the end of the day, you won't meet God. I'll make you uncomfortable so you sit on your toes. So that that day when we jump over there, you say, thank you, Pastor. I can't change. I see a world dying and I have to do my best I won't sugarcoat the gospel because I want to jump out this arena First Corinthians 1, 18 says For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish Foolishness But unto us who are saved it is the power of God I want to make heaven I want to make sure that everyone in streams of joy Nottingham Will be with me on that day in heaven Brethren, the simple truth is that when I preach to you, I preach to myself. Don't think that, ah, he's a pastor, he's he's, he's strong, he's okay. The Bible says, let him that thinks he stands, take heed, lest he falls. The things I tell you to do, I endeavor, I do them myself. Otherwise, I'd be a hypocrite. But like I said, I'm not the kind of pastor that will just sugarcoat it and tell you that everything is rosy once you become born again. I must tell you the blunt truth about being born again. Being born again is not the end of temptation. That I am a pastor does not mean that I'm not tempted. You, as an individual, you will receive temptation every day. Over the week, I just read something in the Bible that shocked me. Luke, chapter 4, verse 1 to 2. And over there, he told us, before I used to think that the, the temptations Jesus had was after he went, prayed and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he came out and the devil tempted him. But when I read that portion, Luke chapter 4, from verse 1 to 2, it says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. So he was consistently tested for those 40 days and 40 nights. So if Jesus was tested for 40 days and 40 nights, then know that you yourself will be tempted. And if the devil knows that no matter what I tempt this Jesus, he will not fail. And still keeps tempting him. Then you that he knows there's a chance of him getting you. He will keep tempting you. Being born again is not the end of temptation. Expect temptations. Today, the end time world is, is, if you turn the paper, the world is glorifying sex. Sex everywhere. And they have no regard for the Biblical injunction to enjoy sex only in marriage. adverts, so, films, so, songs, so, they are not, they are even tired of that one. They are now taking us to a new level of LGBT, promoting it. And when they do all these promotions about sex, they do not tell us the other side. I'm talking about it now because it was what the devil had used to hold a foothold on me. But what we must realize that as they advertise it, they will not tell you that sex kills purpose. Samson was a judge. But sex destroyed his destiny and killed him eventually. That was the same plan the enemy had for Joseph. But Joseph fled. Many destinies have been destroyed by innocent sex. Tell your neighbor, flee from every resemblance of evil. Don't allow the enemy to deceive you. Sex kills people. Apart from even the HIV AIDS, it has killed numerous people. Countless men and women have died deaths that they would have avoided if they had kept their self in check. Over the past few weeks in my country, Nigeria, the news on the airwaves is of M- M- Mr. Usifo Ataka, who was killed by his sidekick. If that man had stayed at home, that thing would never have happened. Tell your neighbor stay at home. <laughs> stay <laughs> faithful. <fairly. laughs> Sex kills reputations. It kills reputations. Many reputations have been destroyed. Bill Clinton, when he was President of the United States. Bill Cosby, an actor I love and value so much. He just came out of prison the other day. What about home here in the UK? Everybody knows what, happens to our, what happened to our health secretary, Matt Hancock. Why? Because he did not respect himself. And while the enemy was setting this trap for him, the enemy did not want him. The adverse and movies selling sex, 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 they never tell you all these things. They never tell you that it kills people. They never tell you that it destroys reputations. They never tell you that it kills purposes. Why would you throw away everything, including eternal life, over five minutes. Over one hour of pleasure. Ulysses sex can cost you everything. Be warned. God designed it. It's a beautiful thing. I will not lie to you. But he designed it for marriage. Anything outside marriage is contrary to the word of God. Another blunt truth about being born again. It's not the end of mistakes. If you are born again, it doesn't mean that you will not make mistakes. James chapter 3 verse 2 says, For we all stumble in many things. For we all stumble in many things. Recently, in the case of a visa application I was making for one of my players, I said something that was not absolutely the truth. I made a mistake, I lied. This was about two years ago. And then I prayed to God for forgiveness. But this thing kept weighing on my mind, kept weighing on my mind. I didn't know that God had already forgiven me. We all make mistakes, but when you make a mistake, pray to God, God will forgive you. I didn't know that God had forgiven me until one day I was in the bathroom, I was showering. And I remembered it again. The enemy used it to flog me mercilessly that period. I remembered it again and I said, God, please forgive me. He said, For what? I said, For that thing. He told me, I don't remember it. So when you make a mistake, immediately ask God for forgiveness. And after that forgiveness, tell yourself to move on. Tell your neighbor, we move. We move. <laughs> we move. we move. Being born again is not the absence of challenges. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, the New Living Translation, it says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. As a Christian, do not think that as you are born again, that is the absence of challenges. The enemy will chase you left, right, and center. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. My Bible tells me that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord God did divide them from them all. And let me show you your theology a little Last year during the COVID, we were all sat at home doing nothing, no exercise. May 20, 2020, sorry, in particular, I was diagnosed with Diabetes. And this is something my mother has suffered for close to 30 years. For all my adult life, I remember my mother going through this. Initially, it was a shock to me. But I looked at it, I said, God has saved me from HIV. He must save me from this one. The enemy came with his life. I said, me, every day I'm on the fire altar. One day must be mine. God must answer me. The enemy tried to get me depressed. I told him, you are joking. I will keep praying. I started taking my medication, but at the time, I felt led to drop this medication. I dropped it, it's been one year now. I'm still praying, I'm still believing. I know that God saved me from a greater one, and he will save me. I know that I cannot be here, preaching what God cannot do does not exist. And there's something in my life that he cannot do. I cannot be saying what God cannot do does not exist. And something exists in me that that he cannot do. It's impossible. And so I soldier on. And one verse that gives me joy in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 4.17. 2 Corinthians 4.17, please, quickly. Give me the... Just give me a couple of versions. 2 Corinthians 4.17. It says... For our light affliction, our light and momentary troubles, he called it light affliction, light and momentary troubles, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So whatever you're going through now, consider it. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The latest celebration prepared for us. Our light afflictions. God has called it light affliction. So whatever it is you're going through and you're crying, how can I as a child of God be going through this? Just take up. Just consider it as a light affliction. Just realize that the greater one lives in you. And just realize that your God, bigger and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I remember the story of Job in the Bible. By the time Job was going through these things, you can imagine what was going on in his mind. And what was the target? What was the enemy's target in giving Job these issues? The enemy just wanted Job to give away his salvation. And so whatever it is you are going through today, realize that the devil is just trying to use it to chase you away from your salvation. And why does he want to chase you away from his salvation? So that he will suffer with him in hell. Because he knows if you hold firm to this salvation, you will live in eternal glory. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. And those coming good times are here on earth too. The Lord will give you victory over that challenge in the name of Jesus. The lavish celebration prepared for us. So brethren, whatever it is, persevere. You will prevail and recover all in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. I remember a story in the Bible when the rich man gave his people a, a, traveled and gave his servants some money the Bible tells me that after a long time the master returned
1: many people are saying since
0: I was a child they're saying Christ is coming Christ is coming but one thing you must know after a long time the master must return and the master has returned to some people are like even earlier when someone dies today his own master has returned And no one for certain, even as my wife will tell you, I say it all the while, I'm not afraid of death, because I think I'm confident I know where I'm going. But even at that, after a long time, the master will come back. And when the master comes back, what will he tell you? Thou good and faithful servants. That's what the master told the one that he gave 10 that multiplied. Thou good and faithful servants, enjoy Or will the master tell you, go behind me, I do not know you. First Thessalonians. Okay? Brethren, as you face challenges in this world, as you face temptations, as you face troubles, I need you to know one thing. They will keep coming, the enemy will keep throwing it at you. But... You cannot stop the bird from flying over your head. Or you can stop it from perching over your head. You have the power to say no. You have the power to hold on to this great God and say, I am not going to let the enemy deceive me. Bible tells me, for we are not unaware of the devices of the enemy. Do not let him fool you. Because all he wants to do is fool you so that you can suffer with him. Hold on strongly to this great God. My advice to everyone is, whatever it is, make sure that you are ready for the second coming of Christ. Do not let vain pursuits, do not let the love of money, lust, greed, anything whatsoever, keep you from serving God in spirit and in truth. Because the, our hour cometh that no one knows when the Son of Man shall return for those who are ready for Him. Luke chapter 12 verse 42 says, and that servant who knew his master's will and yet did not get ready or act in accordance with his will will be beaten by many lashes of the whip. But the one who did not know it and did things worthy of a beating will receive only a few lashes. From everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. Verse um, 40 48 But the one whom Did not know it. But if it does a point of ignorance, he will get off with a slap of the hand. Greater gifts mean great responsibilities. Greater gifts, greater responsibilities. Yes? I've come to start a fire on this earth. How I wish you were an amazing now. I've come to change everything, turn everything on right side up. How I want for forget it to finish. This over and make everything nice, not soon. I've come to confirm you. Uh, King James Version says, To whom much is given, much is expected. To whom much is given. God has given us so much. I said earlier, He gave us the gift of His only begotten Son so that we could make heaven. If you treat this gift of God with disdain, if you do not accept it, the consequences are great are great all heads bowed, all eyes closed all heads bowed, all eyes closed if you are here today and you are not born again or have been born again previously but for some time now you realize that you have not been entirely faithful to this great God faithful to him in your conduct then let me ask you one simple question where do you want to spend eternity? Eternity is not a hundred years, it's not a thousand years. Eternity is forever and ever. Do you want to spend eternity in paradise or in a lake of fire? God has given you so much. He gave his only begotten son for your salvation. He wants you to be saved. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which of the first began to be spoken by the Lord? if in this life alone we have hope we are amongst men most miserable so if you are here today and you have not given your life to Christ or you have given your life to Christ and you seem to have derailed all heads bowed, all eyes closed please raise your hand up we are going to say a prayer and we are going to restore that relationship you may have made mistakes in the past you may keep making mistakes but there is a God who forgives, and there is a God who wants to, who wants to give you eternal life, who wants to save you from all the troubles you are going through, all eyes back, all eyes closed, repeat this prayer with me, dear God, in any way that I have sinned against you, please forgive me, Father, please, I accept you as my Lord and personal Savior, will not go back to those things that you do not like. I will not lie. I will not deceive people. Father, I want to serve you in spirit and in truth. Oh, Almighty God, today I will dedicate my life to you. Forgive me, Father. Give me the strength to resist the temptations of the enemy. Give me the grace to overcome the challenges of the enemy. I thank you, God for all that you have done in my life in Jesus almighty name Amen if you have said this prayer then know that you have given your life to Christ the almighty God will give you the strength to need right and it is not a thing to be ashamed of I remember back in the days when I would go with my father's evangelist Every Sunday they do an altar call. Repent, repent. The, 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 the pastor son will raise up his hand and come out. Every Sunday. I believe that is when God saw that this young man has a heart for me. So do not be ashamed. Do not be afraid anytime. When an altar call is made, and if the Lord has really touched you, no matter what the enemy tries to do afterwards, hold him, You have just made a wonderful decision.